If you even knew what the weather was like outside right now in Louisiana, it is absolutely stunning. I mean, the weather is just absolutely beautiful. It's a great day. After this, after this live stream, I'm going to get on my scooter. I have a scooter. I'm going to go scootering all around the neighborhood. <laughs> but I have some news stories for you. One is um, we were talking about last week and it had come up that the Biden administration has come in with a new plan to help people that have a lower credit score to help subsidize their their mortgages. We're going to get into that a little bit more because I have a special guest. His name is Trevor Smith. He's going to be on here. And then the other thing is, um, you know, so home sellers are like, you know what? I'm not I'm not selling. I've, I've for, forget it. Forget it. I mean, why would I go and sell my house right now when I'm at a 2.7 percent interest rate? They're ba bail it out. You know, they're like looking at these interest rates. They're not coming down. They were hoping they would be in the fives by now. And even the experts are saying if we got our uh, mortgages back in the fives, mortgage rates back in the fives, we could see uh, more action in the uh, housing market. That's not to say that some housing markets aren't suffering right now, but a good portion of them aren't because nobody's selling and nobody's buying. So here we go. Trevor Smith up on the screen. Here we go. Let's see him. Pilot extraordinaire. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he got a little applause going. You got, you got great some some new sound effects. I like. Yeah, it. and he's been playing apparently. <laughs> Trevor, uh, so this new plan came out. Um, President Biden uh, said has what is it? Was it executive order? Was how did this all come about? Do you even know? It's all part of this movement to try to make um, housing opportunities more affordable, basically. So okay. um, I guess through their oversight of, you know, the housing, the federal housing administration, like they have power to do certain things. And I guess this is one of the, the options that they chose. <laughs> Will this actually make things more affordable, though? No. <laughs> I didn't think so. I, I mean, we... We'll we'll dig into it a little bit. I mean, it, okay. it, but it's in the article, yeah. I, I mean, it, for the most part, I don't I don't think it's really going to help that much. All right, and he's going to put the articles. Higher fees for borrowers with good credit inside Biden's new rules on mortgage fees. The changes are part of the Biden administration. Um, uh, uh, buying a house means getting mortgage, and assume if you're high, a higher credit score, you're considered a low risk. And will get lower costs. Well, that's going to change. So apparently, if you have a higher credit score, you're actually you're still considered low risk, but you're paying more money. Is that how that works? Yeah, yeah. Um, so when when everybody goes to get a mortgage, right? Mm -hmm. There's, you know, let, let's say two people are going to buy a house and it's three hundred thousand dollars. One person's got a, a seven eighty credit score, and the other person's got a six hundred credit score. You know, there are uh, pricing adjustments that are made to the interest rate to compensate mm -hmm. for the risk. So if the person with the 780 credit score has got a pretty decent down payment on the property, they're going to consider that lower risk than somebody with a low credit score with a very minimal down payment. So that that person with the lower score is, is paying a little bit more to get that same interest rate. Uh, so that that's going to change. And that I starts tomorrow. Tomorrow yeah, it starts tomorrow. Um, and I think there, there's some downsides to this and it doesn't really solve the problem right now. No, which, no. Which is, you know, there's just not enough affordable homes. 
<laughs> that's it. That's exactly right. That's what I keep saying. I'm like, this is all like, to me, it's just, uh, you know, throw money over here to pay here to make it sound like you did something, but you really did nothing. That's how, that's how it looks like to me. This yeah. before May 1st, if you have a credit score of 740 or higher on a loan of 500,000, you will pay before May 1st, it was a 0.25% fee, which was about $1,250. After that date, you pay as much as uh, 0.375 or, or $1,875. So you pay an additional what, like 700 bucks? Or $600. Yeah. So, so think of it as points on a loan, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people are familiar with points. You can you can pay a point or, or a fraction of a point to get a lower interest rate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, over the last year, a lot of people, you, you can't get a loan without paying points because of how the rates have just been out of control and so volatile. Mm -hmm. um, and so that that's what's changing really is it's not something that, you know, you're, you're paying it in your payment because of, you know, how, how it works out. But isn't this only for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans? It is. So this will not impact uh, VA loans, FHA or USDA. Okay. Um, so Eddie, if you scroll down a bit of that article, Eddie, there. those who put down 15% to 20% on the home uh, loan can feel like the biggest increase. Really? So those who put down 50 to 20% down on a home could feel the biggest increase. Interest rates that have doubled in the last year and some worry uh, how all of this will affect buyers in California. So if you put down more, you get feed more? Yeah. Yeah. It's it, which that, that part of it to me is, I, I think, just stupid. <laughs> um, all right. But we, can, we can look at the, the, the yeah. chart here in a minute and, and see you know, what I think this is going to ultimately lead to when it comes to people getting a mortgage. But honestly, Christina, you know, like the people that are putting 20% down on a house, like they don't really care a lot of times if they have to pay a couple hundred bucks extra, you know? Right. But so, it's still like for but what? Yeah. It, <laughs> what are you putting it, it down it, for? <laughs> I think, I think it will change some of their decisions, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and there's some unintended consequences out of this too, mm -hmm. for, for people that have a lower credit score. Um, that are trying to work to improve their credit uh, or save up for a down payment. So. so it's because we've seen had a rapid increase in interest rates. You have a lot of people who got a great interest rate right now who don't want to sell. Uh, in the typical market, you would have uh, might have gotten a lot of people like, oh, well, let me sell my property and, or how's the economy looking? They don't want to sell. So there's a lot of properties still available. Um, there's not a lot of properties available, especially if you're in the affordable yeah, the, housing range. Yeah. You forget that. <laughs> so Eddie, go ahead and throw up those, um, the, the, what, what they would have paid. I had that screenshot, what they would have paid prior to, um, the rule change. This is really dumb. So we put, yeah, this is very dumb. I couldn't figure I, it is like, is the price that much, but you know, it's like six, 700 bucks on 500,000. That's to me, I mean, that's groceries for the month. Yeah. So it's, it's all a percentage of the loan amount uh, mm -hmm. and it's paid as part of your, you know, closing cost okay. uh, is how this works out. So on the left, you can see what the credit scores are. And then the, along the top is the, the loan to value. So, you know, over on the far right, those are people making, you know, between 3% down payment uh, and, 
almost a 5% down payment. And then the second column would be like your 5% down payment, which is what a lot of conventional loans are, is mm -hmm. in that five to 10% down payment range, you know? And so, so if you're putting 20% down, it looks like on this one, you still are paying the most, especially if you're in the 740 to like just over 700 range of a credit score, right? Yeah. So, so if you have a 740 credit score and you're putting 20, let's say you're putting 19% down, I guess, cause there's that 80.01 to 85%, um, you're going to pay 0.75% of the loan amount. It, it is basically a fee to get that, that same interest rate. Now you don't have to pay that. They can just give you a higher interest rate uh, on the loan, but you know, ultimately you got to make it, decide yeah. whether it's worth it or not, you know? Yeah. $600 to get your credits. I mean, your interest rate down would be worth it. Okay. Right. So what is, this was before uh, the new change. So by tomorrow, this will all change. So what, what's the new one, Eddie, go ahead and put that up on the screen. He's going to add that on there. Thank you, Johnny. Oh, I see you in the chat right there with a hundred dollar super chat. <laughs> Thank you so much. He's our, he's our super chatter of the year. He's always so kind to me and he helps support the show every single week. And I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Eddie, can you go ahead and put that? Well, you, you have the best fans. I have the best audience. <laughs> I have the best real estate audience on YouTube by far, by far. So this is after the, uh, the new change, right? Yeah. So this, that, that previous chart showed how, what the change was. And then this is showing you what you're paying now. So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm looking at this, right, like, let's say I was planning on putting, you know, 20% down, which mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't have that kind of money, but if, if I was putting 20% down on a house with a 740 credit score, um, I'm going to be paying now between, you know, roughly 1% uh, mm -hmm. uh, extra in fees to get that same interest rate. And so, you know, the, the choice you have to make is, well, if I put a little bit less down, now I'm going to have to pay mortgage insurance in my payment every month. Right. You know, but I pay you know, less, of, I pay less of a fee. So you kind of, you have to, you have to figure out what's, what's worth it to you. But I think this is really going to, the majority of the buyers aren't putting 20% down though. Right. So where this really impacts people is the people that are putting about 5% down, you know, that they've, they've been, you know, they're ready to go. They've been saving and saving and saving. And now they're all of a sudden they're ready to buy a home and they've worked up their credit, they got a good credit score. You can see, you know, what kind of fees they're paying there anywhere from about a half percent to, to 0.875 with a 720 credit score. So that's a lot. That's a lot of money for, for somebody that's like, if they don't have that much and they're putting only that amount up down, that's, it, that's a lot. It is, but you can see how important the credit score is, right? Though, so if you mm -hmm. go down to the lower scores, I mean, some of those uh, lower scores, you're paying, you know, 2%. <laughs> Super chat. Uh, thank you clifton i appreciate the ten dollar super chat if you have a question please put it in the chat since you uh put it in there really quick i'm sorry to interrupt there but no you know, you're, you're, you're fine <laughs> so those those fees are still high for the lower mm -hmm. credit score but they're lower than what they used to be so it is going to save them a little bit of money when it comes to the closing cost mm -hmm. um but so it would be, it's more beneficial if your credit score sucks is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're in the low 600 range, you're going to benefit the most from this uh, because mm -hmm. you're, you're still going to pay fees anyways. Now you're just paying less fees. Linda King, Kingsley said, so turning America into a renter's nation, that's all it is. 
What do you think? Um, I, I think they're, they're coming from a good place. <laughs> you know, they, they're, they're mm -hmm. trying to find a solution. <laughs> I believe that but. they're trying to turn us into a retrocination. <laughs> 100%. may not be the governments per se, you know, but I definitely think the corporations who grease the yeah. politicians pockets to get them elected, make certain policies to make it more difficult for people to buy a home. So they have no choice, but to rent. That's my tinfoil hat moment. I believe yeah. it. <laughs> Everybody should have one of these in their house. You, you would believe you would believe all the things that come through. Start having clear vision right there. <laughs> yep. Uh, policy window dressing, just another form of kicking a can down the road. Well, they all do that. They're all flapping their lips. You know, they all they love to talk about affordable housing. They love to like have these galas and, and fundraisers and get up on stage and talk about it and how they're really going to change things. And then when they get behind there and they actually have to vote on things, they have to shoot it down every single time because of what? Who greases the pocket? Corporations. Corporations don't make any money from affordable housing. They make money from people that are renting. So automatically it's just it's like just blah, 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 blah. Flapping lips, flapping <laughs> yeah. lips. Well, and 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 again, it does. Like we said, it doesn't solve the problem. So you know, okay, great. Maybe now, if you've got a lower credit score, you might save a little bit on your closing costs, but you still can't find a house to buy that you can actually afford. So that doesn't really matter. One hundred percent. And I just, um, I'm, I filmed a video yesterday. Uh, it's coming out on Tuesday, and I didn't realize that they need an additional 2.2 million construction workers to start building. They, they are so understaffed in construction workers. That's why it's taking a lot longer. A lot of builders during the last boom would have loved to build more houses. Not only were they constrained by building materials, but they didn't have enough people showing up to the site that they needed. Hmm. Um, a lot of them were walking off the job. So uh, we're, we've been in this, We've been in a pickle for a long time. Um, there, since the last crash, they have not built as many houses as they had built uh, for over over 10 years. And it's because they got their rear ends handed to them during the last crash. They sat with a lot of vacant properties and they said, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> never again. <laughs> so even at the beginning of the pandemic, though, Trevor, like they they were like, Oh, this is going to be bad. You know, everybody's going, they're taking forbearance. We're not building. And they, they took a back seat. Then the market heated up and they went, shoot, we shouldn't have done that. Well, and I've, I've heard they're still, they're, they're scaling back now even um, yeah. because they know that the, there's a large percentage of buyers out there that can't afford the price. So there's a very small pool of people that they're trying to market to. And so even though there's a need for housing, builders aren't building the houses on the cheap. You know, they're, they're not in it to lose money. And so they don't want to build anymore. Right. But wouldn't it benefit everyone if instead of doing these silly little loan things, the government uh, like gave incentives to home builders like tax credits or even uh, government land and use that for housing? Don't you think that would work? I mean, it's worked in the past. I, I think so. Yeah, I think it's you have to be careful about um, pushing people into home ownership that aren't ready for the responsibility of home ownership though. Right. You know? We have pent up demand. We have yeah. massive pent up demand from yeah. not just, I mean, we've from millennials down 
there are people, lots of people, and I'm sure you've talked to some of these people that have actually really good jobs, very good credit, but there's nothing in their area that's affordable for the income they make. And I made yeah. this point last week is that my husband and I, when we bought our first house, I was a hairdresser working at the mall, cutting hair. And my husband was selling cars, I think at the time. No, I'm sorry. He worked for Sprint. He worked for Sprint. I mean, we, I mean, we were just like, we were just making barely a, a, like we made enough income to buy a house because the houses in the area were affordable for our income in that same area that we moved from those people having that same job that my husband and I had, there's no way they could afford the same house that we bought in, in that area. Not even close. That house that we yeah. bought for 125 or $30,000 is nearly $500,000 now. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And we, I mean, that's, that was 2007. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. there's, like that's a big difference in uh, the cost of a house in, in, a, in a local area. And I'm all for like, I'm not like, you know, anti-capitalism. I'm not saying that, but there, I mean, the rate of a home, a home has gone up, is gone up so high because of the fact that we just don't have enough houses available. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, around Charlotte, I mean, we have so many new families moving to the area. I forget what the number is, but the number of new families moving to the area here, it's like almost five times as many as the number of new homes that are being built you know, for them. So um, what if, um, what if they gave an incentive to home sellers instead of home buyers? Cause you don't need to incentivize home buyers. They're, they're already, there's already pent up demand. What if you incentivized home sellers? Um, if you want to sell your house and it's under 1500 square feet to, you would get a tax credit of like $6,000 to sell your house. You'd have, you'd have to incentivize people to sell investment properties. Right. You know? But you couldn't like, sell it to an investor. In order to get the six thousand dollars, you have to sell it to a uh, owner occupant. Right, because like if you know that that tax credit or whatever is not going to do anything necessarily. I, I don't think if if um, you know because if if you give it to me, if I sell my house, great. But now I still have to go buy another place, right? Right. So, but it but, would encourage some people. Some yeah, people but, but I think there's a there's a fair number of people that jumped into the Airbnb market over the last, you know, couple of years. And mm -hmm. especially when rates were cheap, they decided to jump into, Hey, I'm going to buy an investment property over the last couple of years. Um, I think finding a way to incentivize those people to convert those into inventory, uh, would help out. And it would also, you know, cut down, um, you know, it would obviously have an unintended con uh, effect on the, uh, the rental market though, you know, potentially. Yeah. But we're short, believe it or not, we're, we're one point, uh, actually we're 7.1 million apartments short in throughout the United States. 7.1. Mm. I just pulled that up because I, I filmed this video yesterday. <laughs> so I know this, that, that number off the top of my head, not, it's not that yeah. I'm genius. <laughs> yeah. We're 7.1 million apartment homes short. That's a lot of homes. And cause, and you know, the thing is, is that each generation is getting to the age where they want to move out on their own. Then there's just not enough. That's like, yeah. people are like, how, how is that happening? The, the, uh, we're, we're actually declining in population. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it all kind of evens out, buddy, you know? <laughs> and some of the, some of the, the prices on some of those apartments are ridiculous mm -hmm. too. And, and I know because we're, we're planning. So we're, we're, 
going to be moving this summer mm -hmm. and I want to sell my house before I, I purchase the next one. And so we were trying to find a short-term rental. And so we started looking at some apartments and things like that. And, you know, the rent that they charge, like on a, uh, even on a six month lease on an apartment is just, it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> so I, I know, um, I, I know that. And like, if you, even in places like Austin, Texas, you know, that has yeah. had uh, a steady decline in prices just recently, you know, like they went up entirely too high. And you would think that is because prices are coming down. Rents would come down. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Mm -mm. They're, mm. they're still going up. <laughs> they're still going up because they know you have got, they got you. They, they know you yeah. can't go anywhere. They got you. So um, I don't know. Like this, this is a mess. This housing market <laughs> since the beginning of the pandemic was a mess. Yeah. A real what? mess. Well, I, I know on, on previous times when you've had me on, on your channel here, we've, we've talked about, it's probably going to take a good five to seven years, you know, and fr from the time, like the, the pandemic sort of ended, it was going to mm -hmm. take, so I, I think we still have another five, five years to go before things mm -hmm. start to return to normal. Yeah. So. Uh, Chris Crete number eight said, would the home, an owner of a mobile home in a 55 plus park, who is only renting the land need to a realtor to sell a mobile home. Why or why not? So in most States, Chris, um, they do not allow real estate agents to list a property because it's not considered real property. Cause it's not the, it's not titled to the land itself. So uh, real property here in Louisiana means that the house, the structure is on the title with the actual piece of land. So when you have a manufactured home in a park, you're leasing the land. So it's not tied to the property. And so that usually works with a, just a salesperson that's in the park that sells it or you sell it for sale by owner. And you still have to work with the park manager in order to get it sold because the park manager still has to approve them for that 55 and plus community. They usually have their own salesperson in that community when they're usually 55 and uh, 55 plus mm -hmm. that that handles all the uh, the manufactured homes in there that are for sale. Um, but it, it depends on the area. Now there's some areas in California, they do list them with, with real estate agents and, and it's just how they do it. But in most States, because it's not considered real property, cause it's not attached to land. You can't use a real estate agent. Isn't that the same in your state, Trevor? You can't use a real yeah. estate agent. Uh, hmm. yeah. And my, my dad is actually going through this down in uh, Florida now too. Like he was, you know, thinking about some, but I, you know, he can't find a place to buy. So I don't think he's going to move, but mm -hmm. you know, he's in a 55 up, you know, manufactured home, you know, development. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a local sales guy there that kind of represents anybody that wants to sell within that community. So he's got the connections, but you could, a lot of people just do the for sale by owner, you know, mm -hmm. they still have to, whoever the new uh, purchaser still has to get approved through the, Correct. Uh, through that, through that community of park. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't know what that approval process looks like. I've never seen it. So I, I'm interested. I think you have to prove the fact that you're over 55, right? I think that's one of the <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> that's one of the things. Yeah, I think you do. And I, I think they ask some other like financial stuff. I think they're on your credit. Um, retired with bills. That is, <laughs> that is a great screen name question. Uh, why is there a six month work requirement? Why is there a six month work requirement for a mortgage? Why is there a six month work requirement for a mortgage? So, yeah, I think that's what he's referring to. Um, mm -hmm. So ultimately it boils down to your ability to 
to make the payments, right? And so if you don't have to have a six month work requirement, if you, let's say you're retired, um, mm -hmm. and let's say your bills, retired with bills, your bills are low uh, and you have enough social security income or disability income, you know, it, it's, you know, that, that's that's really what the, the lender is looking at. There are some loan programs that don't fall under conventional guidelines though, for somebody that, you know, has a, a large amount of assets available is making a large down payment uh, on a property. Uh, or if they're purchasing uh, a property that they plan to rent out, um, those there's different programs like that where you don't necessarily have to have that work requirement. I have a question for you. How, like what percentage of a down payment is too much for a mortgage? Dave Ramsey would say never. There, there's no. So <laughs> like, so somebody could walk possible. in and say, I, I want to put sixty percent down, and I want to to get a mortgage for a hundred thousand dollars. Can you do that? You could. Yeah, I. But it doesn't some lenders not allow for a mortgage that's less than six hundred hundred thousand? I think I think some of them are sixty five. Right. Well, some of them will, will cut it off at a minimum amount because it's too hard uh, to meet the guidelines for the loan in terms of what the lender is legally allowed to charge mm -hmm. um, and fees relative to the to the loan amount. You know, so on a loan under one hundred thousand dollars, let, let's say that limit was at three percent or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. just as a generic number. So the max the lender could charge you potentially would be three thousand mm -hmm. dollars. And that's in different combination of fees and things like that. And so at the end of the day, if the lender is going to lose money on it they're they don't want to do the deal. Um, uh -huh. And so you, you sometimes have to get it's not that you can't do the loans. You just have to get creative and either the seller is paying for some of those fees for you uh, with a credit for your closing cost. Mm -hmm. there, there's other ways to tackle that, but it becomes very difficult uh, the, the smaller the loan amount is. So, Even if they were putting down a huge down payment? Yeah. Wow. Huh. Interesting. I, I always wondered that. <laughs> well, and, and also, you know, we kind of showed that chart earlier that shows the pricing adjustments for different credit scores, right? Correct. There, there's pricing adjustments based on the loan amount and the loan to value. And so you may actually get a better interest rate with a higher loan amount with a smaller down payment. You know, maybe if, if you put 20% down instead of putting 30% down because it's a bigger loan amount. So there's more, you know, margin in that and, you there's know, stuff. So, yeah. So I, it's ultimately, I think the best thing to do is if you're looking at a large down payment is just to run through the different scenarios uh, and decide ultimately what's worth it to you. And then, you know, if you have a good amount of money that you're maybe don't want to put all of that as a down payment, it's, well, where is your money going to be if it's not being invested in your house? You know, as, as long as you're earning a return on that money, you know. Then so if they were like, if say it worked out better for the bank and they said, well, if you put down 20% instead of 30%, you know, you're going to get a better interest rate. Could that, that person could technically get that 30 year mortgage, but start paying on it. Like it's a 15 year mortgage, like mm -hmm. double their payments in order to get rid of the mortgage quicker. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and that's, that's, that's kind of a rare scenario where it works out like that, you know, mm -hmm. but ultimately it's, it's just something that because the, um, the pricing for interest rates changes throughout the day and every day, you know, you could wind up in one of those wonky scenarios where, Hey, a little bit less of a down payment is a better situation for you. Mm -hmm. 
you know, based on the, the loan to value and, and other things like that. So, yeah, they should just look at 15 year mortgages <laughs> or 20 year mortgages. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, uh, here, here's the thing that <clears throat> like, I know Dave Ramsey likes everybody to do, you know, 20% down 15 year mortgage, you know, if you can Unrealistic. And pay, off, pay off the home as, as soon as possible. But I think the okay. challenge, the, the risk you take with that is now you have a lot of money tied up in your house. Correct. Right? So if you lose your job and you run through your emergency savings the and you don't have any other investments because all your money you've been trying to pay off your mortgage and that's been your goal, the only way to get that out is to do a cash out refinance. Well, mm -hmm. if you don't have a job, the bank's not going to give you a cash out refinance because they're going to go, oh, you can't pay the mortgage. You don't have a job anymore. Right. You know, and so that that's always been my advice to people is if you're going to pay off your try to pay off your mortgage and put a lot of cash in your house is to just make sure you have more than enough set aside that if something were to happen to your family and you were to lose your job, you can still continue to make the mortgage payment through that short storm, you know, and, and, until you're back on your feet again. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Chris Kisser says, question, do you plan on uh, visiting incredible tiny homes in Newport, Tennessee? I'm ready to buy, but can't tell if the owner uh, Randy is genuine or a gimmick. I, um, I'm not planning on going out there anytime soon. I had uh, a friend, his name's Robelt. I don't know. You probably, if you're looking at tiny homes, you've probably seen his channel Robelt. He, um, has tiny homes that he uses for investment properties. Um, he had a place out there in Tennessee. He still does, but he ended up moving somewhere else. And I was going to go out there to Tennessee to go visit his tiny homes. Um, so that was my intention to go out to, uh, incredible tiny homes up there. I actually spoke to Randy. Um, uh, I, I talked to him on the phone. I don't know anything about his homes. I've had, I've had mixed, mixed reviews. Some people are like, yeah, I love them. I had this one lady. She's, she's actually a, now become my friend on TikTok, and we talk very often. She, she loves him. She's known him since the beginning of time, you know, like she's known him when he first started. And then I've had other people call me and say, he's a complete scum, you know, like he, he's a scam artist. So I don't know. I have no idea. I can't honestly tell you, I wish I knew more. I just don't. Um, I just don't. There hasn't been any like news articles for me to refer to. I don't know his, his uh, business and then I know how it's run. I personally do not. So you, you know, just ask around. That's all you can do is uh, maybe make a post on Facebook and into some of those tiny home groups, right? Make a post in there and say, hey, has anybody bought one of these houses? Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Um, I would I would only talk to people that actually have have one of his homes, right? Not not what they heard or not what they rumored or a person told them. Don't listen to those people. Only people that actually have one of their houses and and what happened. Um, that's where I would go with that. I, I, I don't have any more information for you. I wish I did. Um, Sandy Arizona said paying 15, 50 K to realtors gets me less, uh, gets me lesser home to buy. Won't be selling the high price to pay to realtors is my biggest reason why, um, to stay put. There should be a fixed price for selling. Did you know, this is no lie, Sandy, that your commissions that you pay out for real estate agents is 100% negotiable. No, there is nothing set in stone that you have to pay 6%, 3% going to the listing side and 3% going to the selling side, you know, uh, to the, the buyer's agent side. There's nothing in the contract. It's always negotiable. What do you say, uh, Trevor? Yeah. I mean, if, if, 
if you don't like the the fee that uh, a real estate agent wants to charge you, then negotiate a different fee. Yeah, I mean, and they even have um, real estate brokerages where you can do uh, like a what they call list MLS fee, right? So yeah. you just pay five hundred dollars, and your and your listing goes into the MLS. Somebody enters it in for you. Yeah. Um, some states allow that, some don't. But you can always check that out. At least your listing might be in the MLS. You know, maybe that could work out for you. Yeah, the, I, I think the risk that you know, a lot of real estate agents will tell you about, and, and I don't really care one way or the other, but you know, people are going to do what they want to do. But I think the risk that people take is they think, okay, well, maybe I'm saving $10,000 in commission, but then they actually lose out on $10,000 of potential sales price because of the marketing and the connections potentially that that agent has. And that ultimately boils down to, you know, the kind of agent that you're working with and their experience and track rec record, et cetera. Also, I think in today's market, uh, especially depending on the city you're in, it's, you know, how well are you going to be prepared to handle the negotiations and what's better in terms of if you have multiple offers presented on your property? Because like right now, you know, in, our, in the neighborhood I'm in, we've had three houses um, listed for sale within the past couple months. Every single one of them has gone under contract the first day with multiple offers with, you know, anywhere between 30 to 50 showings, you know, over a two day period. And so- are you in that first time home buyer range or just above that? What's that? Or your neighborhood, is it in that first time home buyer range or is it just above that? It, it, it's just above, well, a little bit above that. Okay. But, you know, it. I would argue it's probably even worse in the, in the first time home buyer range. Oh, it is. Know? That's everywhere. It, I, even I, I, would, I would say for the, for the community that I live in, we are the lowest priced neighborhood within the, within the community. So, yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. Like everywhere you go, even, even in areas that are like, Oh, it's dropping, you know, 20% or whatever. Yeah. Until you get into those people that are in that entry price range, those houses that are still getting multiple offers. They're still selling instantaneously with the lowest price point homes are still flying off the market. Yeah. And so that's where, you know, sometimes, that commission is helpful because mm -hmm. you don't want to end up going under contract just because somebody offers maybe two or $3,000 more on the price. If the other terms end up not being in your favor or if they end up falling out of contract and now it actually takes you longer to sell your house and you end up actually selling it at a lower price because everybody's like, well, why did it go back on the market again? You know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, but there's a lot of people out there that are super smart about, um, you know, real estate, that are more than capable of selling, you know, selling their own property. So, mm -hmm. yep. Yep. Lots of ex real estate agents always sell their own property, which always, that always I'm like, huh, you were good enough to take the commission, but you're not good enough to di dish it out, man. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Susan R says question, is there uh, a penalty when you use land in lieu of cash for down payment on a new build? So you, you can't really use land as a down payment. What you can do is borrow money against that land. And a then collateral. Yeah. So it's basically a second loan. Mm -hmm. um, and there are some, some programs out there like a VA construction loan, right. you know, where they will give you the money for, for everything. But if you've already purchased the land and closed on it, then that loan product is not going to be available to you. So it's mm -hmm. got to be all part of one package deal. Mm -hmm. um, so I think if this runs run into an issue with this a lot with veterans, you know, that, Hey, I, I got some land, you know, I, you know, I got it, you know, inherited it or, or whatever, you know, bought it a couple of years ago and now I want to build on it. And it's like, well, 
you know, the VA loan is not necessarily may not be an option for you with that. Um, and you may be limited with other loan options as well. So, because you can't just say, okay, well, here's the deed to my land. Now let me give me some money so I can build. So. Yeah, we do it here. It happens in Louisiana. They do it. They uh, borrow, they borrow against it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can get out a loan against it and then, mm -hmm. and then that's fine. Yep. Kelly Hahn says, how about the banks using net instead of gross pay when applying for a home loan? Everybody likes this. They like, a lot of people ask me this, like, why doesn't mm -hmm. the bank use the net pay? Because that's what you're taking home in your paycheck. And that's mm -hmm. what should matter most. Right. Um, but uh, I think the reason, the reason, one of the main reasons why they don't is because everybody's percentage that they have taken out is going to be different. Right. So mm -hmm. everybody has a different withholding for your taxes. People have different medical withholdings. People, uh, somebody might contribute 10% to their 401k. Somebody might not have a 401k. And so, you know, you do have a certain amount of flexibility in what your net pay is based on, you know, some of those withholdings and deductions and stuff like that. Uh, so for the bank, the easiest thing for them to do is just go by gross pay and it's the most reliable. That's not going to change. Whereas you can manipulate some of the other stuff for your net pay. So, you know, when you say gross pay, my 12 year old immature brain is like, every time you say gross, I go in my brain. That's all I say is, why is it called gross? You know, like, couldn't they come up with another word? Why gross? <laughs> like you're, you're, yeah. you're, more, you're more like, they need a better branding. They need a better branding. Gross <laughs> is a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> BD wants says there is a already an incentive for the selling for a homestead, isn't there? Or was that changed? Uh, I don't know of any incentive for selling a homestead. That's that would be news to me. And, I mean, maybe there is in your state. Yeah. There could be in your specific state, but that's not a nationwide thing. Do you know of anything like that, Trevor? No, that's what I was going to say. It might be state specific. Right. Yeah. Now I know there's a tax incentive for people that live in barn dominiums in Texas because it's considered agricultural and I can, I'm going to get this up, agricultural building. And so you get a tax incentive. That's why people build barn dominiums in Texas. That's why they pop up everywhere because you pay less in property taxes. It's genius. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like a lot of states, they have the, the homestead exemption, you know, we for, have that here. For, yeah. For property taxes. So. Yeah. You get, we have that here. Uh, but not for selling. Yeah. What is yours? Uh, ours is a $75,000 tax exemption. What do you guys get? Oh, uh, it's not much. It's not 75,000. <laughs> no, I, I can't, I can't remember the, the, the percentage or the, the number for primary residents, but taxes here aren't that bad. So. No, oh, I don't think ours are that bad. I pay um, for our home. We pay just over $2,000 and this house is over 2,200 square feet. I was like, compared to what I paid in Florida, and in, in Texas, like Texas has I, ridiculous property taxes. Texas has very expensive property taxes. And so yeah. does Florida. And then on top of like, everybody's like, oh, move to Florida. There's no state tax. Yeah. If you own a homeboy, you're going to be paying, buddy. <laughs> you're paying one way or the other. They're always going to get their money. They're always going to get out of their money. Somebody gave me a little education. Kelly says, uh, FYI, gross refers to the total amount before any deductions according to uh, accounting and finance. Yes. But the word gross is still gross. <laughs> I wish they picked it out with a name for it. <laughs> uh, BD1 says, uh, oh, we already got this question, Eddie. You got to put up another question. Eddie, Eddie must have. Uh, 
<laughs> took a break. He he might have been watching a, like a football game or a baseball game or a golf game. You turned around for a minute and did one of these. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> that our dog started barking. Uh, you know, we I don't know if anybody knows this, but we have three dogs and, yeah. and four cats. <laughs> I, 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 it's like little Dr. Doolittle around. Yeah, you got a little zoo going on there. Yeah, well, one of my dogs, uh, hopefully, I will get this question up, but one of my dogs, um, actually had like an ulcer, and I just spent $500 at the, at the vet for my dog. Next day, my cat gets sick, spent $200 at the, <laughs> she had a little UTI. Hers was much cheaper. Uh, question Are first lean HELOCs a bad idea? There, Trevor. Um, depends on what it's being used for. I mean, and you know, everything is situation dependent, you know, how much money you're taking out, how, you know, what rate are you getting it? What are the terms of it? What are, what is the money being used for? Um, I always say you know. every person in the world should have a HELOC because you never know what might happen in your life. You, oh, everybody should have a HELOC. If you, if you never know when you, it's your equity in your house. You may have to tap into it. I think everybody should have HELOC. Well, <laughs> that, that I mean, responsibility. You know? Yeah, I mean that 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 goes to my point I talked about mm -hmm. earlier about you know if, if you're trying to pay off your mortgage, you got everything tied up in your house. You know, just you know if you have a HELOC that you're not using, you know, like that could be an option for you. So, mm -hmm. yep. Next question, Eduardo. If anybody doesn't know, Eduardo is the uh, producer in the back. He's also my main squeeze and my husband. <laughs> Tony says, question, how would I be able to take a DSCR mortgage for a triplex? What income would be needed? So DSCR stands for debt service coverage ratio. And ultimately, what for those that aren't familiar, what the lender is looking at is to make sure that the income that's generated from that property is sufficient to pay the mortgage on the property. Uh, and in those cases, you may not need to have any income at all on your own or very, very low income. And that's how you can still purchase an investment property. Um, but to do so, you still typically need, you know, anywhere from 25 to 30% down uh, on the purchase. Um, in order to use one of those, you know, talk to a loan officer that specializes in them or that has that product available because a lot of big banks are not going to offer that. You're typically going to go through a mortgage broker who has, you know, access to multiple different programs and lenders and things like that. And then how much money you need in terms of, you know, how much income that property generates versus the, the payment is going to be very specific depending on the actual property. Hmm. Learned something new today. <laughs> I did yeah, not know that. We don't yeah, have the, the, here. DSCR loans have become popular recently, uh, mm -hmm. not just for investors, but for people that, you know, hey, I've, I've got a lot of money saved up, you know, maybe I just sold my house, right? And I mm -hmm. want to buy a new house, but I don't have a job and I don't have any income or I have very low income because I'm just living off of social security, mm -hmm. you know? So how can I get this mortgage, you know? Um, and so, you know, you can do that uh, through buying like a, you know, a duplex, a triplex, uh, things like that. And there's other similar to a DSCR in terms of the debt service coverage ratio. There, there's other options that are available out there too, so. Well, thanks for a little education there. <laughs> John has a question. It says, is it a viable option to buy a home for the first time at 65 years old with full uh, social security disability for being a first time home buyer? Or is it uh, looked at as being too old? I know the answer to this, but you can go for it, Trevor. 
We don't discriminate on age. Nope. Nope. My dad is in his 80s and he could walk into the bank right now and say, I want a 30 year mortgage. And they go, well, look up his credit history and there'd be a sign on the dotted line. You, you could even have a, a, a terminal diagnosis and go get a mortgage. Yep. You they know? cannot discriminate. I mean, they, they can't deny you that loan. I, I tell this story all the time, but my dad, when they bought their house, you know, he was in his 70s and he goes, he walked out the title office holding the little thing, the, the thing. He goes, I can't believe to this day that they gave me a 30 year mortgage. He said, they have more faith in my health than I do. I'm like, dad, it doesn't work that way. They just know that you've got good credit. They just want you to sign on the dotted line. It's like, yep. I wouldn't have given me a mortgage for 30 years. I know I'm not going to make it. <laughs> so how it works, dad. <clears throat> Serenity Cow says, what fees are cha uh, charged when you are all cash buyer? Are these fees negotiable? When uh, What can you do to avoid the fees? There's title fees. You got to pay those. Attorney fees. You got to pay those. Um, you got to pay prepay your taxes and, and your insurance, homeowners insurance. So you got to pay those fees. What other fees? Well, so, um, yeah, obviously there's no fees with the lender, but right. Like Christina says, like you don't necessarily have to prepay your taxes because you're responsible for paying your tax bill, which is just due once a year. So when you close on the property, you know, you're paying all cash for the property and then it's whatever your state requires in terms of like the recording title attorney. You still you gotta know. pay your homeowner's insurance for the year, though. <laughs> like when you're close yeah. cash, you still gotta pay your. You yeah, may not pay the title office. You, you, you may not even depend on your state. You may not need an attorney either. You know, uh, mm -hmm. two willing and able, you know, parties can enter a contract on their own. Get um, an attorney. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, I get it. Two willing, able body people walk into a title <laughs> office and get it. Get an attorney, like. Yeah, you, 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 def you definitely want the title work done to make sure what you're buying is 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 what it says it is and isn't coming with, you know, a bunch of debts tied to it that that you know you didn't know about. Yeah, and then you got to make sure that the person the person that's actually uh, selling the property owns the property. That's happened here in Louisiana. The people were renting had a listing agent come out there, put the sign in the yard. Neighbor calls the actual owners and says, "Hey, is your house for sale?" They were actually under contract. They signed a contract for their for the house they were renting. Like what? What? <laughs> and I like I mean, it all got straightened up before it went to title. But I mean, like, how crazy is that? There people are nuts. You know, just because you've lived there for five years, you don't own it anymore. There's been a lot of, of, of fake leases popping up too. Oh, that's been common for years. You yeah. know, they put it on Craigslist. Well, I think it's gotten worse now. Yeah. With the demand. Yeah, because people are desperate to find an affordable place to live. Yeah. So they're getting taken. CC Moon with the four ninety nine super chat says Chris Ball time. What percentage of people that have the two to three percent mortgage interest rate are gonna sell in the next five to uh, ten years? Ooh, it's low. <laughs> They say that like the the news, the experts, the the knowers of all of real estate. If you read, you know, the New York Times, they say that in order for to get to get sellers motivated to sell, interest rates would need to be in the fives in order for the uh, that market to start moving again. One of the biggest problems is that a lot of sellers are just pulling the plug. They're pulling back. They're they're saying forget it. Yeah, I, I forget the stat, but it's something like 90 or 95% of homeowners right now have an interest rate below 4%, you know? Yeah. And, 
and and like 42 percent of uh i think maybe even higher but like I th i'm gonna say 42 percent of americans have ex exponential amount of equity in their homes because of the price uh, yeah. increases they like this is the first time in history that so many people have this much equity in their do houses ever christina do you think we'll ever get back to like back in the 80s you know the it was very common for people to do 20% down payments. That that was the norm. Like you, you know, at one point you really couldn't get a mortgage unless you were doing, you know, mm -hmm. a large, very large down payment. Do you think we'll ever get back to that? No, absolutely not. No. The thing is, is that all housing markets always are driven by new people purchasing, new buyers, new first time home buyers. That's why we talk about them so often. As incomes have now flattened, you know, people are not making as much as they used to. Um, they have, they're more debt burdened than ever. The, uh, the, the younger generations are much more debt burdened than we were when we were growing up. There, it's almost impossible for them. Cause if you actually, I actually did this on chat GPT. I took a $72,000 income for mm -hmm. a four, uh, four person family, took all the debts like health insurance. I took the average cost of health insurance, car, gas, food. By the end of the year, they were negative $3,000. So I don't think it's possible at this point for a person coming up to, unless it was inherited. And that, and you know, yeah. as well as I do, that the, a lot of people that are buying their first homes, they are given a gift from a family member for those down payments. Um, yeah. It's uh, right now, I think the number is one in five uh, home buyers are, you know, getting, using funds from a family member or a relative. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I don't, I think they, it's always the second time home buyers that always have the 20% down with no problem because they already took the equity out of their first house, yeah. not their second house. Um, we just, we need to build more houses, more affordable houses. If we had, if builders could make the two bedroom, one bath house again, I know it'd sell like hotcakes. You know, like they always like to victimize or, you know, brutalize younger generations. Like they just want too much for the money. No, they don't. They just want a place to live. Like most people I talk to in the younger generation, they're like, I just want a place of my own where I don't have to listen to my neighbor play the drums, you know, like right next to my apartment. I, I'd like to go outside and, and ride my bike in the street and I'm not an apartment complex where I'm afraid my bike's going to get stolen, that kind of thing. Yeah. If they offer those kinds of neighborhoods again, like they did in the fifties, they would sell like hotcakes, but they have to incentivize the builders to build them. Well, I think there's also, and, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this with the manufactured housing, right? Um, mm -hmm. There was, uh, uh, my dad was talking to me cause he's been trying to find a place or whatever. And so he, he came across, you know, he was, cause he's looking for something. My, my brother lives with him and he's uh, disabled. And so we're, we're trying to find a property that has at least two, you know, separate, you know, uh, houses or a duplex or things like mm -hmm. that. So he found this land and it has three manufactured homes on it with the room to add, you know, I think he said like seven or eight more. Mm -hmm. But the problem is the city uh, has a moratorium on adding uh, more connections to the water and sewer there. Yep. And so like, it's like, okay, great. Like this would be a great option to help create more affordable housing, you know, things like this but the regulations and things like that are, are, you know, potentially preventing it. So. Clifton has another question for you, Trevor. He said, uh, like me question, 
Uh, how about a HELOC loan in North Carolina for vets? Is there HELOCs for vets in North Carolina? I, um, I don't know of a specific HELOC for vets. And I, I, I think, think HELOCs are HELOCs. It's just yeah. a product, right? It's not a, it's not like a. Yeah, I, and I, I don't I don't do HELOCs, so like I'm I'm not that knowledgeable on them. And honestly, mm -hmm. I don't I don't think you can do a VA HELOC loan, mm -hmm. not that I'm aware of. Um, but I, I could be wrong on that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, I I don't do HELOCs. But yeah, HELOC is a HELOC for the most part. So, yep. Rita Ferguson said, "Question: I got my credit score above 800. Wow, that's great. <laughs> I would like to buy, but the I don't have the 20% down payment with the new law." How would this affect me? I really don't care to do, uh, I really don't care to do conventional. Okay. So two things. First of all, I think a lot of people uh, believe you need 20% down to buy a house and you don't. Mm -hmm. So if, if you do a conventional loan, the, if you're a first time home buyer, there's some programs that let you do that with as little as 3% down, mm -hmm. but typically 5% down is going to be the minimum. Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people will look at an FHA loan, which you can do with as little as three and a half percent down. Mm -hmm. But there are some downsides to that. And typically the FHA loan is is a better option for somebody that has a lower credit score uh, because of some of the other fees and things that are associated with that. And that's, you know, a product that if you can't qualify for conventional, then, then FHA might be good for you. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say, you know, uh, the conventional loan would be my recommendation. And uh, did, did I cover everything in the question? <laughs> so yeah, um, I, yeah you, you don't need 20% down. And in terms of what fees are associated with that, um, how, will the, oh, how will the new law affect you? So really it's just gonna depend on what the uh, loan amount is that you get versus, you know, the, the price of the house, you know, if you're buying a $300,000 house and you put 10% down, you know, that would potentially be different than something else. So. Right. It seemed like when we were looking at that chart, the more you put down, it seemed like the more you were penalized. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're going to, you're going to pay a little bit more in terms of your closing costs, but like on a, you know, a $300,000 house, like I think they were showing in that example, I think they used a $500,000 house mm -hmm. in that article. They did you know, it was, it was like a thousand bucks or 1500 bucks or something. So, yeah. um, but the trade-off is, and if you don't want to pay that extra in fee, then the bank is basically just going to give you a slightly higher interest rate. Mm -hmm. And so you're still paying for it. You're just paying it in your monthly payment over 30 years versus paying it, you know, as part of your closing cost. Gotcha. I'm so glad you were here this this week. <laughs> Thank you. A lot, of, a lot of loan, a lot of HELOC questions, a lot of loan questions. Yeah. Uh, S. Stewart says, if you lo uh, lost your job, can your HELOC get closed? Seems like uh, early to 2020, there were uh, headlines about HELOCs is issues. You don't have a job, you can't close. Period. End. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it's a HELOC well, or not. Well, no, I think he's saying the the bank. You know, if you have a HELOC and the bank finds out you've lost your job, they could you know, shut, shut down your HELOC potentially and turn that off. I, I don't know. I'm not I aware. Know. I was not aware of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's, you lost it's your job during the process of getting a HELOC. They'll, they'll tell, no, you don't have a job. You can't get a loan. Yeah. Well, that. it's, it's just like, I think, you know, if you read the fine print on a mortgage, uh -huh. you know, if, if you lose your job after you've closed on the house, you know, mm -hmm. technically the bank could 
there's ways that they could come after you, but most banks aren't going to do that because as long as you're still making payments on the property, you know, um, then they don't, they don't really care. Well, that, that I always tell my clients and I'm like, here's all your paperwork for your loan, you know, after you're closed, you know, like this big thick thing. And I said, it's some light reading material before you go to bed. And I was like, just know that everything that's in this th that says you don't pay, the bank takes it back. You miss a payment, they let everything in here. It, it, it's only to protect the lender. Just know, pay, pay on time and you'll keep your house. Yeah. I, yeah. That, that'd be my, so with that question, my one piece of advice is if you do lose your job, as long as you're still able to keep making your mortgage payments, mm -hmm. don't call your bank and start telling them you've lost your job, you right. know, unless you can't make your mortgage payment and then, you know, then you can start working out some solutions uh, with them. But if you're, if you have emergency savings or whatever, and you're able to, to keep making your mortgage payments, just keep making your mortgage payments until you get back on your feet. No loose lips. <laughs> loose lips. What do they call it? Loose lips, loose ships. Sink ships. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's the military thing. <laughs> oh, well, good. That, then you can answer that. I don't know if anybody knows this, but uh, Trevor here is also a pilot. He's a real estate agent. He's a pilot. He's a YouTuber. <laughs> and he was in the military. <laughs> so, uh, I have Aaron, too much free time. Yeah. like I, And he was whining that he doesn't have time to film a video. I was like, oh, you can do anything. <laughs> Eric Ming says, I had a friend who closed on a property recently, but when she went to close, she discovered a lien from her old mortgage. She had to uh, been under, she had been underpaid what she should have. What should she do? Underpaid. Oh, so like she, she walked away from the closing and means, and like there was still money that needed to be uh, paid to her you can ask for it. That's usually like I, when I closed on my property, they didn't pay me enough. And then I got a check three months later. Ooh, we got a $50 super chat. Wow. Super chat. Thank, you. Thank you, Chris kisser. I appreciate you. Super chat. Thank you. Man. I tell you what, I have the best, <laughs> I have the best real estate live stream in the, in the world. <laughs> now that last question though, did, did you understand that? I, what it sounded like is, on her old mortgage. So the mm -hmm. house she owns, she was not, she was underpaying it. And so maybe there was a lien on that, but I, mm. I don't know. The, the, that would be the, if she like, that's a title issue. If she already closed on it. Her, yeah. You may want to check old mortgage. Yeah, yeah. You need to contact her old mortgage company. Yeah. Wild. All right. Diamond Rush Media says, how do you determine the credit score as a lender? Customers are so in the dark about this, which is the model you, they use. Because, you know, you have your like your credit, you know, all these credit ones. There's all these different credit houses. <laughs> which house do you belong to? Which one does the don't they don't they look at the, all three of them? It, yeah, it's not the score you see on Credit Karma. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that much. All right. Um, so. So all, all lenders are going to put it, run it through the uh, a credit system. And basically it pulls your scores from the, the three big ones, Experian, Equifax, and uh, uh, TransUnion, right? So we'll get all three scores. And then the lender is required to use the middle of those scores. So if you had a 640, 650, and 660, we'd use the 650 score. Uh, the same thing is, you know, if you're applying on a mortgage with your spouse or somebody else is co-signing with you, we're going to pull credit for both individuals that are applying for the mortgage. 
and then the lower of the two middle scores is is what we use. So, you know, as an example, two people on the mortgage, one person has really great credit, but the other person not so good. Unfortunately, if they're going to be on the mortgage, we have to use their not so good score. So, you know, like I have really good credit. And then my husband and I, when we went to purchase a house, they were like, oh, well, your husband has enough credit. So we're just going to put him on a loan. I'm like, no, I want to be on the loan. Everything gets said and done. We're sitting in the title office. I'm on title, but I'm not on a loan. I'm yeah. so ticked. Why? Why do they do that? I, I mean, I pay like I've earned the right to own a house. Why am I not on this thing? Uh, you're on the title. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> you know, our first house, our very first house, we wouldn't be able to buy it if it wasn't for moi, moi, <laughs> this girl. <No. laughs> Eric Ming says title company underpaid the payoff amount. Oh, let's do the title company. That's what uh, she okay. needs to do. Yeah. They did. They, uh, but that's a wire transfer. So they, they need to like pull up the wire transfer and see where it became up short. Because if the closing documents don't match the wire transfer, that's on the title company. This, this is why you go through an attorney. Yeah. And not, yeah, but not sometimes the, the attorneys screw up too, though. Don't yeah. Don't they do. But, but at least you, you have more recourse when you're working through an attorney on uh, mm -hmm. a title company than rather you trying to buy a property on your own from Joe Schmo down the street. Yeah. I like Joe Schmo. Uh, <laughs> Allegra Brown says, uh, question, what is the best way to purchase a house? What is the, oh, that's going to be, that is <laughs> the, that is a wide open question. What is your credit history? The, the, uh, easy, the easiest down? answer is buy what you can afford, not what the bank says you qualify for. Well, ain't that the truth? When we were, when we were like looking at our first houses, they told us that we could qualify for, I think it was like $280,000. I'm like, you're out of your mind. <laughs> you're out of your mind. <laughs> well, I have a baby on the way. Are you kidding well, me? This, this is my first kid. This goes back to that, that word you don't like the, the gross income thing, right? Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that that's what the bank uses. And so they're like, Oh, like I didn't realize I could, I could get that much of a house. So I'm going to do that. The bank must be willing to lend me the money because they think I can, you know, I, this is good. I'll go ahead and do that. You know, you know, so. earlier we were talking about how many people uh, have equity, but the, you know how many people there, I want to know how many um, people are um, mortgage burdened because they're like the rise of people using almost 40% of their income just for housing is, I want to know exactly what that number is because they've been talking about it a lot. There's a, I mean, even for like renting an apartment, they're using almost over 40% just to be able to live. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I don't like, what was the magic number? Wasn't it 20%? Like 20% of your income should be for lodging. Wasn't that the number? It's so the Fannie Mae and the federal housing say 30%. 30%. See? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Byron Thomas says, uh, in regards to down payments, if I found a property and then uh, and the purchase price is below the loan to value, say 90 percent, is there no payment needed for is there no payment needed? Correct. So what happens is if, if you let's say you go under contract on a house and they do the appraisal, and I think that's what you're asking. So let's say for to keep it simple you know, the house is a hundred thousand dollars and the appraisal is $110,000. Mm -hmm. You know, the bank doesn't consider that as automatically you have you know, $10,000 of equity. And so you still need to make the down payment on the lesser of the two. So the contract price in that case, which is a hundred thousand. Right. And that just means that the listing agent didn't do her job right. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so you've got a great deal because, you know, yeah. you know, you have the equity, but that is not considered as part of a down payment or, um, you know, whatever on, on the house. Y'all want to see something weird? This is a, uh, you can, so, so back my head. head. <laughs> Multi-cam. <laughs> it was back my head. Uh, question. Are there any lenders uh, that do substitution or of collateral loans so that you can maintain your old low interest loan and move it to another house? Isn't that called a bridge loan? Uh no. So like a bridge loan, uh, would be like, you know, when you're selling a house and buying a new one, but you're, Correct. you're, 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 right. you're still going to get, a, um, that interest rate on that new property based on whatever the, the, the mortgage is, but you can assume certain loans. So like you can assume a VA loan and you mm -hmm. don't have to be a veteran to assume a VA loan. Uh -huh. uh, and then the, the party that's selling has to agree to it. And the, the lender has to agree to you assuming that mortgage, but what that means is you're having to come up with the down payment to basically, if they're selling the house for 300,000 and they only owe 150 on the mortgage, you've got to come up with that 150,000 either cash or, you know, through other means. So there are, there are ways to do that where you can assume a loan uh, that already has a really low interest rate on it. Could you do a second mortgage on something like that? Could you do assume that one and then do a second mortgage? Yeah. Yeah. You could, there, there's ways to do it. Um, mm -hmm. Most you're not going to typically not going to be able to do that through, you know, bank of America or your, your big banks. Again, you know, you're going to have to start working with a mortgage broker or somebody has access to specific lending programs and options that, that would help you out in those. I, I always say go local. <laughs> I always say that go local. You know, they have the big ones have really fancy uh, advertising, you know, but they don't understand or you know about all the programs that are available in each and every state. Sometimes it's even so specific to the county, like the county is offering like some kind of like a bond, bond kind of money for your, uh, for you to purchase a home. So yeah, go local. Cindy has a question says, hi, longtime California homeowner uh, thinking of moving out of state. Why is Texas property taxes so high? Well, in, in comparison to California, you won't feel that high. We'll feel, feel about the same. <laughs> <laughs> right don't, like, I, I, I don't know okay california they've got the uh the belarus right and other stuff that they pay on i don't know i think that's what it's called uh but they have other stuff that they pay too you know i, I lived in texas for like for three years and the the tag i remember the tax payment on that house at the time was roughly a third of my mortgage payment. Right. Like, I, I could not believe. And like I was born and raised in Florida. And so like, I know how much property taxes are in Florida because everybody used to tell me in Texas, well, you, you're, you're paying so much in taxes because it, you know, there's no state income tax. And mm -hmm. I'm like, but there's no state income tax in Florida either. My property taxes in Florida are not, we're not Texas that this high. It's expensive. You know? Like every time they try to sell you on that, it's, it's expensive. The property taxes would kill you. You know, it, now in Florida, though, the insurance, like yeah. you may pay less in property taxes in Florida, but the, the homeowner's insurance, that that will that will eat you up real big. I, <laughs> I think in, in Texas, I think it's uh, a lot of it goes to the uh, uh, Department of Education, like the teacher's salaries in Texas are a lot, I, I think, a lot higher than other places. You may want to look into that. I don't know. If no, no, this. like because I and I know because my brother and his wife are in um education in Florida. 
Uh-huh. And we were, I mean, this was years ago. I mean, maybe it's changed since then, yeah. but like at the time, the starting salary for a teacher in Texas was significantly higher than it was in Florida. Louisiana is garbage. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, all right. Byron Thomas has another question. I thought assumable loans didn't exist anymore, or is there uh, still qual- uh, qualifying to go through? They, they've always been for VA, right? Always on the VA. Yeah. VA loans have always been assumable. I yep. learned that on my show because I didn't know that until like, I don't know, eight months ago when everybody was talking about assumable loans. You just, you don't, you just don't see them done very often because uh, if I'm selling that house and I've got a mm-hmm. VA loan on it, then my entitlement, you know, my veterans entitlement stays tied up in that mortgage, you know. I think so. they were they were really common in the 80s when home prices were just stagnant forever, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's when they seem to be more popular. When I was when I was doing my research, <laughs> when I was doing my research, Trevor. If anybody has any more questions about um, uh, mortgages in in the North Carolina area, South Carolina area, anywhere area, anywhere. how can they get a hold of you? Uh, the Mortgage Wingman at gmail.com. Oh, that's your email address, but they also can find you on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. You're also on YouTube. Look at that! Look at that! <laughs> you have a Trevor Smith. Oh, this is this is your real estate one. You also have the mortgage ring wingman, or did you rebrand this one? Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I had a separate mortgage wingman channel that was just shorts, and and I got rid of it because I just started doing all the doing the shorts on this channel. Well, good for you. Good so. for you. Look at that. Those uh those uh thumbnails look familiar. <laughs> I, I think you, you've probably seen a couple of those. <laughs> yeah, I might I might have helped helped it with that. That one that says for sale too much, that looks very familiar. I think I've used that one. (laughs) Yep. All right, Trevor, I want to say thank you to you for showing up today. If anybody wants to listen to this on on the replay, you can always listen to it as a podcast. There's a tab here in YouTube that says podcasts. All of these shows um, are always on there. And you can always go to any of your favorite podcast sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any of them. And I'm there. And it's just real estate for everyone with Christina Smallhorn. All these will be here. Eddie posts them on Monday, Monday morning. So if you wanted to listen to this in your car on the way back, just go ahead, go over there, give it a little little thumbs up, thumbs up. If you're looking to uh, get a referral for a real estate agent, I'm not connected to lenders, by the way. I only can connect you to real estate agents throughout the country. Click on any of the pink buttons on my website. It's christinasmallhorn.com. I will connect you with a real estate agent who happens to be a friend of mine. You just hit one of those pink buttons. Just goop, hit it, fill out the form. Make sure you leave your phone number so I can give you a personal call. Because if you don't leave your phone number, I can't leave you a personal call. (laughs) And tell me where you want to move. That was the other one. I got one. They put their name. They put their address. They wanted to buy. uh, They put their name. They put their last name. They said they wanted to buy. Didn't tell me the area. Didn't tell me their phone number. And they didn't put in their email address. (laughs) I don't even know how to respond. Like, there's nothing here for me. I'm sorry. So next week we're going to be, uh, I don't know, let you guys let me know. What do you want to talk about? We'll talk about whatever you want. Just let me know in the comment section below and I will uh, take a look at what you guys have to say and we'll, and we'll talk about it. Unless, unless something happens, because you know the real estate market has been a freaking roller coaster for the past three years. You never know when you wake up in the morning what's going to happen, you know. Biden might have a new plan, you know. Everybody that's over 600000 you know, you can he's going to make it impossible for you to sell your home. <laughs> 
in California, you know, they they actually penalize people. If you have a house that's over like ten million dollars, you have a, there's a new tax, new tax on your house. Did you know that? They just want your money. Everybody wants to. Everybody wants your money. Everybody. That's yeah. Everybody does. But I still think they need to rebrand the word gross. <laughs> So, all right, everybody, you have a fantastic week. I'm going to go jump on my scooter. I'm going to go travel around my neighborhood on my scooter. It's not electric. I, I, I know I look like a moron in my overalls, this 50-year-old lady on a scooter riding around. Push pedal? <laughs> and yeah, so just little, you know, just push it, you know, like little kids do, like razor ones. That's what I have. So. That's great. Say goodbye, Trevor. <laughs> You're going to dance? I can probably get Trevor to dance too. Oh, there he goes.